0: Welcome back to Twigs on the Rocks. I'm Leo Bloner. This is Dave Lovich, And today we have our most exciting episode to date. We are interviewing a former NHL player that overcame all odds with over 400 games played. Welcome to the show, Glenn Metropolit. Glenn, how are you doing? Hey, guys.
1: Thanks for having me. Doing well. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm just going to jump right into it. I'm very interested. Like, so where did you start playing hockey? And like, how did you get into playing and in the NHL?
2: Wow, that's a, that's a long story, but, um, you know, I'm emerging from Toronto, Canada. Um, I was raised in, um, you know, the inner city, kind of downtown Toronto, and um, basically just started playing hockey because up in Canada, obviously everyone loves hockey, and that's kind of what you do. You know, if you didn't play hockey, it was kind of hard to kind of fit in the, the right crowds, and um, that, that was the way of life up there. So it all started back in Toronto.
0: Oh, wow.
1: That yeah. sounds really nice. Yeah.
0: That was fun. So we noticed that you never played juniors or college. So how were you discovered, and how did you play at the next level if you never played at those levels?
2: Well, guys, for me, the way I grew up, I, you know, like I said, downtown Toronto, where um, I was raised by a single mom. And um, in this hockey world, you need some money to play hockey. And I was fortunate enough in Toronto, they had these house, house leagues that was ran by the city, and you didn't have to pay to play. So um, it all started there where – the, you know they provided the stuff where I could play and then eventually through my whole hockey path you know kept on playing playing in these leagues playing high school hockey and then um, a good friend of mine was playing junior junior a hockey and he was like hey why don't you come try out for the team that I'm trying you know that I'm playing for and then basically I was like well how am I going to get there and he had his car so I hopped in I, I tried out and I made that team and um, you know basically the rest was history and it was more like Hockey was more of a survival tool for me, you know, to get away from where the area where I was raised. I knew I didn't want to grow up and be in that area anymore. And uh, hockey was my way out. So um, I just kept on working at my craft and kept grinding and believing in myself. And it's kind of the rest is history a little bit, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, clearly that paid off very well. Mm -hmm. Um, Also you uh, also congratulations on making the ECHL hall of fame. And, and I was just wondering, do you have any like good stories from your ECHL career? Um, yeah, that's
2: a, it's back in the day. If you ever watched the hockey movie, Slapshot. um, Oh,
1: I love that movie.
2: You know, it was kind of, it wasn't quite to that extreme, but it was, it was a really tough league. There wasn't a lot of draft picks playing in that league. It was more or less guys from junior just still wanting to play hockey. It was minor league hockey league. So um, for me, it was more or less I still wanted to just play hockey, so um, that that 's where I had to go to kind of keep my dream alive and be able to play hockey for a living meanwhile it wasn 't really paying much money it was more or less having that that, that league to play in while you transition into the you know, normal world you know trying to get a job nine to five or whatever so be it um, um, There was very few people that made it out of the East Coast Hockey League when I was there um, but when I was there, that I looked at it as a stepping stone, right? Prove myself there and then get noticed and make it up to that next level. Which was um, at that time the IHL, the American Hockey League, was the American Hockey League was the league where all the draft picks went and played, and they matured there and they kind of developed. Um, and the IHL at the time was more of a—you got some NHL guys that went through the American Hockey League and played in the NHL and w- was on the bubble, kind of where. They, they couldn't stay at the NHL level. So they went there where it was more of an older league. Older players would go there or they'd go to Europe. So my next step was to go to the IHL where it was an independent league where there wasn't a lot of draft picks playing in that league because they were all in the NH, uh, American Hockey League. And so I went to that league, proved myself amongst the older ex-NHL guys, to, so to speak, and then got discovered that way. And that's where 1999 came around, and I signed a letter with um, – I, I signed a contract with the Tampa uh, – not Tampa Bay Lightning, but Washington Capitals.
0: Yeah. So how did it feel like finally making the NHL after all that hard work with the Caps that year? Sorry come again, Leo. Sorry about that, buddy. I'm all right. Uh, yeah. How did it feel finally making the NHL with the Capitals after all of that hard work through, like, the ECHL and the IHL?
2: Um, it was quite an accomplishment, Uh, but deep down inside, I felt like I still wasn't, I still hadn't, I felt like I had more to prove still. If that's kind of sounding kind of weird, I just felt like I I wanted to be the best I can be at that NHL level. Um, I was a little bit scared, but I just wanted to work hard and be a regular NHL player. Um, That was the attitude I had. Like, I I was so grateful and I was so happy, but I, I don't know if I totally appreciated the whole the whole journey to make it there I was like great I'm here I want to prove myself but at the same time you're holding in all these emotions right I'm playing with you know Hall of Famers Adam Oates Peter Bondra and and try not to get caught up in that but be the best player
1: I could be oh wow yeah and also speaking of like when you were making it into the NHL like, what was it like, like, you were just coming into the league? Like, how were you received? Like, what, like, did they put you through any challenges or anything like that to prove yourself?
2: Um, what happened back then, you know, it was kind of like the old school mentality where the coaches coached. There was no uh, person, you know, there was no um, um, one-on-ones or whatever. It's more or less you're, you're fending for yourself. Uh, there wasn't really relationships formed you'd go to the, you know, you'd go into these dressing rooms and you'd be on the first line or the fourth line. It, it became more of a job. You know, it was like a job. It I was so used to being part of teams and, you know, good dressing rooms and all of a sudden you're in NHL. It's like, you got to perform. If you don't perform, if you don't realize your role, then you're getting sent down. You know, it was kind of that. It was really, um, it was a different time back then. Now coaches have uh, relationships with their players. Everyone kind of knows their roles. Um, it was a different mindset back then with the old school. You know, you're here to do your job. You know, and that's it was kind of it was it was a weird time for me at the time. As I think back now and reflect.
0: Huh. Yeah. All right. So as you were talking about like moving up and down from the NHL to the AHL, but what was that like? Like not only mentally, but like what's the living situation? Like how does that work? Um,
2: the, the, the way it was where I'd be in American Hockey League and the, the coach was really um, – you know, you got everyone fighting together trying to get up to the NHL. And it um, goes back to what I was saying. You get to the NHL and it didn't feel like I was really a part of that team, but you knew you wanted to be there. So you wanted to do what was right for the team within role that you had on that team. You know, I was, I was on the fourth line, you, you, you know, playing with the tough guys. So you really couldn't really – be the player, which I was in American Hockey League, which was a skilled guy, you know, putting up points and doing that. So it was um, in the living arrangements, you get called up, you're living in a hotel, you know, in American Hockey League, at least you had a, you had a place you could call home a little bit, but you know, you wanted to be at the NHL. It was kind of, it was just, it was a grind guys. It was, um, you know, you, you want to be a hockey player, but it wasn't all glitz and glamour. That's for sure. It's pay your dues. Show you belong, and then you kind of start, you know, become um, a regular, and that's even hard.
1: Oh, yeah, and like also, I looking at your career in like two thousand and three, you went to Joker Helinski of the SM Liga of the time, and like, what was it like going like from after with the Capitals and then the Lightning and then the Capitals going out to the European going out to Europe. Like, what was that like, especially then also coming back to the NHL and having a great career? Yeah.
2: Um, um, for myself to leave the NHL at that time or North America, I was with the organization for four years. So I was always getting sent up and down. I'd go up to Washington play great. I'd get sent down, play great, you know, fight, do whatever I had to do. And um, basically what happened to me, I, I just, I couldn't do it no more. You know, I was with that organization for four years and, I just had my newborn baby uh, Olivia my daughter my youngest daughter and just trying to give her some sort of stability where I knew I was good enough to be a regular at the NHL level but I just wasn't really getting my break and being able to stay there or things weren't just working out so uh, the next best move for me was to head overseas to Europe and um, play over there and my mind was to go over there play against the guys that are going to be coming back and prove that I can be a top player even over there, which I did. And then I, as you said, I got my break again. I came back and um, you know, I had quite a, quite a stint back here
1: after that. Yeah. In, in like 2003, 2004 season, you did extremely well that season with 50 points and 77 penalties in minutes. That was very impressive.
2: Yeah. It was a, it was a little bit of an adjustment going over there, playing in that, you know, the European-style ice rinks, you know, they're bigger ice rinks, the Olympic size. So going over there, having to adjust on that, um, it was just basically going over there and play. I had some great teammates. I went to a really good organization there in Helsinki, you know, Yorker. And um, from there, just got confidence. You know, I worked out hard and kind of knew my goal was to get back to NHL. It wasn't to be the best player. It was to be the best player in Europe or best player in Finland that I could be but it's more or less getting discovered again and getting a chance to come back. So um, it was just putting in the work boys. And then, you know, believing in yourself.
0: Yeah. So you work really hard. You finally make it back to the NHL, but then you play in Atlanta, which is now a defunct organization. Like what was it like playing in Atlanta? Because most people wouldn't really consider that a hockey city.
2: Yeah. It was one of those places where, especially coming from, you know, Helsinki, Finland, uh, Luganos, and Switzerland, these places, they, they packed, they had culture of hockey there. They packed the stands. And then I finally get my, my break, get back to NHL. And then you go to Atlanta where, you know, it was kind of more of a, um, a grassroots hockey where, you know, transplants, you know what I mean? People from around the world, the big hub of the you know, Delta airlines where, um, just the grassroots, it didn't seem like a, a good culture of hockey there. Um, but meanwhile, we had we had such great players. We had Koblachuk, uh, Bobby Holik. We had uh, Marion Hosa. These guys were world-class players. Wow. Uh, for some reason, um, it was just hard. Maybe the location of the rink was downtown Atlanta, which was very um, beat up a little bit, you know, up and coming. Um, maybe a variety of everything. But, uh, you know, it just didn't stick. So and that's when they went to Winnipeg, you know. And, uh, you know, you guys saw through um, – you know, my, my, uh, my career, I went to St. Louis, but, you know, I guess maybe that might be the next question. Well, will let you guys go on.
1: Yeah. So like after Atlanta, you went to St. Louis and then you went to Boston and you had, and uh, you had a very good season in Boston. And then, but then the next year you were in Montreal. And s- since I know you are well aware of the huge rivalry between the Bruins and the Habs, like, what was that like going from one team to the other?
2: Yeah, it was pretty neat, right? I got to play for Boston against Montreal in the playoffs. And I got to play for Montreal against Boston. So um, I got to see both sides of the, the fence, so to speak. And um, when you're a hockey player, guys, it, it you know, I mean, I loved Boston. I loved Montreal. Um, you, you play for the, the crest, right? You play for the guys in the dressing room. It wasn't – don't get caught up in the, the robbery, you know, because you get too caught up in the games. You get You take penalties. You don't play the way you can play. It was just – you learn to get this mentality where, you know, it's all about the team in a dressing room, you know, and each team has, you know, their, their own cultures, you know, the style of play they have, and you just, um, you know, you're, you're there. You know, it's not the name on the back. You know, you're playing for that team, that organization.
1: Wow, yeah, and you played very well with both of those organizations, but you played for many teams throughout your career, but which one would you say was your favorite team to play for with, like, the culture on that team and how it was on the ice?
2: Um, I, I got i got to say probably Boston, guys, just for the simple fact Ooh. that, you know, Claude Julien was my – I happened to have a personal relationship with him. I got to meet him before I went to Atlanta. I went to the World Championships with Team Canada. Um, Sid Crosby was there, Patrice Bergeron. We had a bunch of guys, Brad Boys, and I got to form a, a connection with him. And so having that personal connection with a coach um, for myself really made – that year feel like uh, I belonged in the NHL level, you know, and he, he kind of, it just put me back on the map. I guess that's the word guys, you know, knowing that I can play at that level and be, be a player. And that's kind of what I proved there. And then it was kind of late in my career where, you know, two years later, you know, I finished two years in Montreal and then, you know, here I am 35, right. Where I was playing great hockey, but I was older and the game was getting younger and that's just the way it went.
0: Huh. All right. So you're talking about, like, I were going back a little bit, but talking about loving to play for Boston. What was it like playing under Zdeno Chara?
2: Uh, Zdeno is, um, you know, with, with all the hockey teams that I've played on organizations, he's probably the the top leader that I've ever played with. The best captain. Um, I played with Scott Mellanby, which was another one. Um, but Zdeno was. Um, he didn't talk much, but when he did, you listened and he he led by example. You know what I mean? He kind of, he was a big part of that Boston culture. You know, that's why, that's why Boston's so successful guys. Um, The coaches are great, but if you look at the, the nucleus of their, the guys that are part of that, you know, the leadership group, the Zidane Ocharas, the Patrice Bergeron, those guys are still world-class players, but they, they play the game, right? They lead by example. And that's, that's what these top organizations need to win. And that's why they've always been so good since he's gotten there.
1: Huh, yeah. Also, so like, like you've mentioned, you played with many amazing players in your career. But who do you, who do you say was your favorite teammate to, to play with?
2: Wow, good, well, good question, buddy. Uh,
1: favorite teammate?
2: Dang, I got so many guys. I got so many. I can't even – I can't tell you one of I mean i tell you what, I, I don't have any enemies. I will have that way. You know what I mean? Everyone that has to be is with, perfect. You know, I've, I've, I can't say one teammate. I just – all the teammates are important to me in my hockey life.
1: So. Yeah. That's just one way of knowing that you had an amazing career. Like, that's very impressive. Like, you play with so many amazing players. Yeah. And they've all had the pleasure of playing with you.
2: Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Let's look at that way too, eh, buddy? Nah. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. You know, the hockey world's really small, and um, there's so many great players out there. So great they're great people. I'm sure you guys get it. You know, you're interviewing people on uh, your your podcast here. I'm sure you haven't met any bad ones, really.
1: None yet. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, actually, like, speaking of great players that you've played with, is there, like, one or two players that really stuck out to you as the best player you've played with or against?
2: Well, guys, it, it, it depends on how, you know – Players, I mean, Patrice Bergeron's my favorite player. You know, if, if I was to make another player, if I was to clone one, it'd be Patrice Bergeron. I love Sid. I played with Sid too in World Championships. Um, Milan Lucic, you know, toughness. You know what I mean? You, you can't get a tougher player. Um, Skill, Kovalev, you know, Lexi Kovalev. Unbelievable. Um, Saku Koivu, the Finn, you know, great leader, hard work. It's, guys, it's, Man, like you guys said, I played Marin Hosa. I, I can go down down the line: Gerard uh, Claude Giroux, Scardy Hot Hartnell, um, goalies. You know what I mean? Timmy Thomas. It just you can you can rask. So, Olaf Kolzig. But it's um, I've just played with so many great players, guys. It's uh, it's I play with all different types, right? So it's hard to say one player. But um, Patrice Bergeron would be. The guy, not only that, he's just a, he's a, good, he's a good man. He's a good person.
1: Wow. And also, like, I'm going to take this down to, like, more of the specifics of, like, a game day. But, like, what was, say, your, like, your favorite part of game day? Like, how was that like going out with different teams? Um, game day was pretty well the same, guys. You want to keep uh, same, the same
2: uh, schedule and the same structure, what you eat. You know, just because it's just you're, you're kind of – you watch film in the morning, you skate, you stretch, you eat your chicken parm you know, the salad, you take your nap, and then you, uh, then you get up, you grab your coffee, and it's game time. You know, turn the switch, get focused, get to the rink, do what you got to do, tape up your stick your certain way, and then say your little words that you need to get. You know, you're fast, you're light, you're strong. You're, you know, you're going to win every battle. That's, you know, that's just – that was the way I have got prepared for my games.
0: Yeah, and really, like, getting into even more of the specifics on game day while you're actually in the game, right? We saw some highlights of you making some big hits or having a couple big fights. What is that like? Like, what goes through your head as you're about to drop the gloves or, like, the crowd reaction after you make a big hit? What's that like?
2: Um, guys, I'm sure you hear from other guys. When, when you're out there and the game's on, you, you... – you really don't hear, hear the crowd. You're kind of just so focused in on a game dialed in. Um, either it's a fight or if it's a goal, you know, you just get the whole game's all up, up ebbs and flows, right? It's kind of like a roller coaster. You, you know, you get the momentum changes, swings. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's almost like a movie every game. You're, you're, you're in a movie um, in regards to the motions. You score a goal, you're happy. You get in a fight. It's just um,
1: that's how the games go. Wow, yeah, that's super interesting. But also, like, getting to like a like, what would you say was like your favorite game that you played, or like a specific play that you would pin as like, that's my career moment.
2: That's my career moment. Wow, buddy. Um, I can't have one that pops up right now. You know, playing 22 years of pro hockey, um, guys. I play. I've won championships in Europe. I've been game sevens with the Montreal Canadiens it's just that's hard to, it's hard to it's hard to say one moment guys you know that I got a 22 year movie movie in my head
1: yeah it's like one big amazing moment
2: yeah buddy yeah it really is you know I've, I've been I've been so blessed to be able to play the game for so long that I try to never take any moments for granted
1: wow that's really
0: that's yeah. really great. Yeah, and just stepping back a little bit. You're talking about how you don't really notice the crowds while you're playing. But is that different in the playoffs? Is the playoff atmosphere something else or are you really just focused on your game and not really paying attention to that?
2: I think the, the, the build up to the playoffs, that's what gets to you. You know, you got a few days to get prepared for teams and you you know, now you got rivalries, Boston, Montreal, you got the crowd, you know the, you, you you try to tell yourself, don't don't get too in uh, don't let the game take over you too much. You know, play your game, but it's when you when you're hearing that national anthem and you can't talk to I can't talk to you, Leo, when you're right next to me listening to the anthem where the crowd's so loud. Where um, it's something that brings butterflies, but you got you gotta get you gotta get your mind right quick, you know, in that drop of the puck. But um, yeah, every play is magnified. You know, if you if you You make a turnover, right? It's they score a goal. Every goal's huge in the playoffs. It's um, it's a different beast.
1: Huh? Yeah, that must have been super intense then. Like, especially with crowds, especially like in Boston and in Montreal, they go wild in the playoffs. But um, I'm just gonna take us over a little bit to Europe for a question for a couple questions. Like, what was it like playing in the European leagues? Because you never really stayed anywhere in Europe for more than say two or three years. So what was it like, in, especially since you were amazing in the European leagues, what was it like moving around and like bringing, winning some championships? Um, Europe was great to me.
2: Um, the schedules, half the games. You're, you're in your own bed every night. You're not, there's no road trips, which is a bonus, right, when you've got a family and stuff. So um, the quality of life, you know, you get, you get little breaks every – you get a break in November where you get a week off, so you get to travel, go to Paris, go skiing. Um, and then you get Christmas where I've been fortunate enough to be at the Spangler Cup, which is um, one of the best tournaments to ever go to. It's in Davos where you play all the Canadian players that are over in Europe. They play for Team Canada, and you go – you spend Christmas and do this tournament, and um, then you get another break in February to go visit another part of the world, you know, which was really nice. And you're not worried about – you're not necessarily worried about someone taking your job. You know, if you're in NHL, you – Every day it was, um, you know, practice. Practice was like a game. You, you, I know they say you got to practice like you play, but you know, you never know when you, you know, that's that that next guy's trying to take your job. So you really got to be mentally strong. And over there, you kind of was a more of a your mentality changes a little bit. You know that you're a part of that team. You're you're the go-to guy. You just got to go out there and do your job. And I had confidence in myself. As pressure for me was. Pressure for me was playing in NHL, and you're only playing four or five minutes a night. And if you don't score, if you don't do well, you're getting sent down. So, over there, kind of, I didn't, I didn't have the stresses of, of uh, the hockey life over there.
1: Huh. So, maybe would you say that it was either, like, better to play out there, or maybe?
2: Um, I mean, in, in regards to um, lifestyle, easier on the body, lesser games, but... You want to be in the best league in the world, and that's the NHL, right? That's but, true. Um, over there, it was just um, – it was a great experience. That's what I can say. And I was very blessed to be able to go over there because teams over there, you only allowed like five imports. And so, if you're an import, you know, you got to be one of the better players, right, to go over there and play because they want, you know, the good players to help their organization or their teams succeed.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So um – since you've played in Europe, it's been a couple of years. You retired in sixteen, seventeen. What have you been doing since? Have you been coaching or anything like that?
2: Yeah, lately, guys, um, long story short, it was um, – it's a little bit of a battle. You know, you always hear this about athletes once you're, you're done with hockey or football or whatever sports may be, you, you, you lose that dressing room. You lose, you lose that schedule, right? You lose that – you got to be at the rink at this time. You got the coach telling you this is what you have to do, this – you got to work out. You know, you got to play this way. And then that's all gone, guys. You know, you, you lose the dressing room. You no, you don't hit, you miss the guys in the morning that you're stretching with and talking and laughing. So there's a transition part that's hard, and then you got to figure out what you're going to do next. Um, people have different person, um, you know, their personal issues are a little bit different from you know, family life. You know, you go, you need a job after. So it, it was a kind of a little bit of a grind. Um, now... Fast forward three, four years. I'm I'm down here in Tampa. I'm back in the hockey world, giving back. I'm doing player development. Um, Start my own little, it's called the Metro method. As funny as it sounds, but basically just being able to talk to kids and um, guide them on their hockey journey and just help them be good men. You know, the do's and don'ts of what I've been through, you know, helping people through my experience and coaching a few teams and you know, this COVID things put a, you know tripped tripped everyone up a little bit so um just trying to get better every day guys that's the, that's the main get, you know that's the goal
1: yeah that's amazing what, what you're doing down in tampa like that's really great yeah and um so what what's it like like helping those kids there like because you're based like do you see like yourself in them or like do you see like what you're doing like any part of what you had to go through getting into the NHL of like what you like of what they're going through? Like what's it like helping them go through that?
2: Um, right now I've, I've been down here. I haven't been down here long enough Abe to kind of really, I, I, I'm enjoying being on the ice, helping the kids that are wanting to get better for um, that are on their journey. You know, I'm, I'm like 14, 15 year olds. I'm, I got a few elite players that I'm, I love seeing how they're getting better through my coaching that I'm really – it's really given me a purpose again and given me a lot of joy to see those guys get better. Um, and on the other hand, too, being able to do the learn-to-play programs where you're on the ice with five, six-year-olds for the first time skating and seeing how they progress through an eight-week eight program, its it's good. It's really rewarding. So I'm enjoying that part. Hopefully this leads to me with experience to be able to maybe be more of a consultant role with – Uh, junior teams, you know, uh, pro teams. You know what I mean? Being able to be on and help help their players develop.
0: Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, you were just talking about your plans for the future, but have you, like, ever thought about, like, really coaching? Like, you were talking about coaching, but, like, at a really high level, like the AHL or maybe even the NHL? my my aspirations
2: weren't really to go there, but now as I'm getting back into that, I'm putting on that kind of hat, you know, I'm kind of, I'm feeling that might be my path, you know, if the right situation presents itself and I'm with the right organization or, you know, I, I guess more or less just wait and see how this COVID thing all plays out. And, you know, like I told you, be a better version of yourself when this is over and then see what opportunities open up.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's really amazing and thank you so much for coming onto our show glenn like this you have basically this is the greatest episode we've had so far thanks to you i'll just say thank you so much thank you everyone i'm able this is leo blotner thank you to glenn metropolitan again and we are twigs of the rocks and have a great night